Hello everybody and welcome to the GMS Magazine podcast, the RPG Interview Room. I am Paco Garcia and like, you know, as the name of this podcast says, this is a, a podcast all about interviewing people from the RPG industry, some really, really awesome people like the person I have with me today, Dave Chapman, who you might know for his work in several role-playing games, especially the Doctor Who RPG, a very interesting role-playing game, obviously based on the fantastic BBC franchise that's been going on for much, much longer than most people listening to this podcast have been alive. And he's somebody who understands what it is like to get an IP and actually distill it so it can become a role-playing game, something that it's not as simple as it may sound, because what do you do with it? How, how do you take the ethos, what, what the bare, very, very core of that IP is, and actually transform it into an RPG that will do it justice and will be a long-lasting and fun experience for everybody playing it? Well, Dave knows quite a lot about it. So, without further ado, I am just going to let the interview begin. So you can learn, hopefully, as much as I did when I talked to him. Thank you very much, and I'll see you on the other side. Dave, welcome to the show, sir. It's, it's, it's great having you around, because I haven't seen you for a very, very long time anywhere else other than Facebook, which is, you know, not particularly personal. How are you? I'm oh, fine. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me back on. It's been a long time since last time. I, I noticed from the uh, Skype record that um, I haven't been uh, on your podcast for uh, nearly three years now, oh God, which is quite scary. That's scary <laughs> and very bad of me. I, I, I thoroughly apologize. I should have you way, way not, more often. Not your fault at all. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I was very interested in having you around as somebody who has actually worked on, on real projects, turning an IP, a real, you know, um, IP into a role-playing game. And I am aware that plenty of people, you know, they, they think, they look at a television series and they think, well, how how cool would it be to have, you know, a TV series, uh, a role-playing game based on a TV series that I've just seen. So I wanted to have a chat with you as to how how do you go about it, you know, when, when you've been working with with Doctor Who, which is a very dangerous IP to work with, because so many people <laughs> love it, and if you get it wrong, oh my god, you can get into so much trouble. Um, things like that. How did you start? Well, there's there's a long tale about how Doctor Who came about. Um, back when I was working uh, with Eden on Conspiracy X version two point zero, um, that had just come out. And uh, I had this email from uh, Chris Birch, who you probably know better from um, Modiphius mm. now. Uh, this is long before he he got into the game publishing side of things. And he dropped me an email and just said, I really enjoyed Conspiracy X. Um, and we started chatting uh, over the internet about how we could get role-playing to a new audience, to people who don't normally um, play role-playing games, like people who um, are interested in like science fiction, fantasy, that sort of things, but haven't tried RPGs before, especially kids. And we started thinking about things like um, James Bond and Doctor Who and things like that, and, and what things would really work as an RPG as well. And he, he emailed me back and just said, actually, I know somebody at the BBC. And within about two or three weeks, we'd started 
chatting with um, Angus Abranson and Dominic McDowell at, um, and they they just formed Cubicle Seven, and we started chatting about that, and suddenly things started progressing along those lines. And it was basically a case of um, trying to prove to the BBC that we wanted to make a game that people could play Doctor Who basically but be very true to what they had in mind with it and be very protective of their intellectual property so okay you get the uh, the, the good news and it, it looks like yeah the project's gonna go ahead that's amazing uh, Dave you're gonna write it oh shit what happens now <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a bit of a case like that. We, I must admit, when when we first went into the, we had this meeting at, um, at BBC um, at Worldwide, and uh, there, there was there was the, there was me, Chris, um, Angus, and Dom, and we were just kind of sit, sitting in this office with the the bigwigs from the BBC, showing you showing them what we'd what we'd had had in mind. And when we came out of that, we were just suddenly going, "Oh no, that 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 can't have worked. Oh, I can't believe that's all." And then, and it it all just kind of fell into place, and it was like, okay, so now we have to produce the game, which was all a bit, as you as you as you said, it's a bit intimidating, and it's mm. a bit, uh, but um, but yeah, um, strangely, um, they they had faith in me, and Angus and Dom just kind of said, go on, and Dave, go and go and write that, and um, and let us know how you're getting on. Okay, <laughs> left left me to it, which was kind of scary. Well, it's scary, but obviously paid off. What happens next? How did you start? I mean, that that's what really interesting is what was the method behind uh, getting the game designed and, and, and written? Because one of the things that when I read the the RPG is how the ethos of the series was translated into the game in a way that I just hadn't conceived, I, I haven't really thought about. How did you start working on that? I, th I think it kind of came from um, my past in in gaming. I mean, um, I was always a big fan of licensed RPGs anyway. Uh, one of the first ones I played was the uh, West End Games Star Wars ones uh, and the uh, James Bond RPG that Victory Games brought out, both of which really captured the feel of the, the, the products of, of, the, of the IPs that they were attached to um but just before working on uh, conspiracy x i did a little bit of work on um eden's buffy rpg uh -huh. and buffy was was it, it was it was nice because it took their house game system but they presented it and manipulated the rules in such a way that it felt very much like buffy it was a case of it was written with very with lots of hip pop culture references, just like the TV series, and they'd added um, uh, CJ Carella did all the did, did did all the work on this one, um, and he'd he'd added this um, mechanic so that when you got into a fight with a vampire, you had to beat them up a little bit to bring down their health before you could stake them, which was a, a quite a normal game mechanic, but it reflected what you saw on screen quite well because mm. Buffy never just went in and just staked and there was always a bit of a fight for some action and so it was a case of trying to have a for doctor who it's def definitely a case of trying to have a, a, a system that you could do just about anything with because you could go to any point in history or any planet but trying to keep the the feel 
of how Doctor Who works, the way that, that the Doctor doesn't get into fights, the way he always tries to um, talk his way out of things, especially when we were pitching, it was just as uh, David Tennant was at his at the height of his um, run as the Doctor, so he was. It was lots of really fast, witty dialogue, uh, and trying to get that sort of feel into the game was 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 quite key. So that's why the mechanic in the Doctor Who game, with where the talkers get to go first and try and convince everybody to not shoot at each other, and then people who are in the background trying to tinker with things and create devices to put shields up and things like that right? they got to go next and and then of course the fighting came last and it came last because the fighting in doctor who it actually can be quite lethal oh definitely that that was that was another big problem um in trying to reflect something on screen like um, a Dalek hitting somebody with the exterminate thing. Um, it's a one-shot kill. and that You don't normally have that in, in a tabletop RPG, mm. especially not being shot by bad guys. You've got this character that you've, you've been playing for months and you don't want to just sort of get wiped out straight away. So there was really a case of uh, trying to not only encourage the players to think a little bit more strategically and to make going into combat their last resort um, but also a way to try and reflect the lethal damage by um, you dodging out of the way and trying to avoid the hits but you, you still took some damage from tripping over a curb or something like that as you dove out of the way or, or landing badly into a pile of boxes and things. Now in terms of um, an IP you know if you were given an IP today of a series that you're finding interesting, like, I don't know, for saying something, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've watched recently uh, The Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, yes, yeah, another okay. one. Okay, so let's imagine that somebody says to you, right, I want to make a, a, a role-playing game based on the Santa Clarita uh, Diet, and Dave, you're a specialist. Where do you start? <laughs> I think it's a case of binge-watching. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the first thing is you, you kind of devour everything. I mean, certainly um, recently I've been I, I've I've gone through every, all of Star Trek. Uh, well, certainly when Doctor Who was on, I went through this uh, when when I started to work on Doctor Who. I went through this spate of buying just about every Doctor Who DVD and just binge watching, much to my wife's disgust, uh, <laughs> just about every episode of Doctor Who going um, and. Luckily, when I was working on things like Buffy and and uh, a little bit on Army of Darkness, it was a case of um, catching up on on the many times I'd already re watched it in the past. So, so it is really a case of watching it all, analysing it, trying to get the feel for what the the um, the, the show creators are, come, are are getting to. I mean, certainly with um, in in Doctor Who, it was great to read things like uh, Russell T Davies's book um, where he is explaining how he approached creating the new series because then you get the feel of how of, of his inspirations and what things he was looking at to try and try and mimic that but when it comes to something like um, Santa Clarita I think it would be a case of looking at um, other zombie related games how they look at it certainly having a quick look at um, other comedy-related games, things like um, probably the the Red Dwarf RPG that, that came out a few few years ago, um, and then 
as I say, binging the, the series and trying to get a feel for um, story arcs and, and the general tone. What are the aspects of the tone of a series that should have more attention paid to, regardless of the series? But what are the aspects that, uh, you know, you have to make a bullet point of the three most important things that you have to look into in order to, to bring it to an RPG? What, what would those things be? Oh, wow. That's, that's, a, that's a really tricky question, that one. I think um, when it came to Doctor Who, it's a case of really looking to see what the Doctor would do. I think that was the first point. Um, every time you were, you came up against the question in designing the game, it, the first thing that you would always think is, what would the Doctor do? Uh, and it's always going to be like the turn to science, running around, um, but not fighting. I think that was that was the key for that one. Uh, the next thing was work was having a look at how the show was structured. Um, it was nice writing the Doctor Who stuff because you could look at the way that the series arcs worked, uh, certainly in the first four seasons of Doctor Who, and you could add that into the way that you wrote uh, a campaign or the way that the, your game was structured. So you had lots of little stories, a, a good two-parter, um, and but you had hints in the background of an overarching plot that would you'd resolve at the end of your season. And breaking um, a game campaign down into a season gives it that that televisual feel quite nicely as well. And then it's going to be a case of looking at the iconic elements. And the, the one thing that has always drawn me to licensed RPGs is because you really know what you're talking about straight off. I mean, I've played uh, many fantasy RPGs that are homegrown and when you go into a certain area or confronted by a creature, it's that well, what does it look like? And the GM has to describe it to you. And it kind of, okay, so I think I've got in my head what you're talking about. Whereas if you're playing something like Star Wars and you say you're on Arboween um, or you're, you're chasing uh, a Rodian or anything like that, because the the license and the, the, the scope of Star Wars is so huge, you're probably pretty aware of what all these things are in anyway so you have the same things in mind when you're trying to visual it, visualize it while you're playing which is always a great help as well so if you look for the iconic things and try and make sure that they're represented in the game as well uh, how do you choose a system because obviously you're not you know you, you cannot play you know the santa clarita diet <laughs> I, I don't think you can play with a d20 can you Oh, I, no, I think I'd go for something a lot lighter than that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, uh, Doctor Who was really came off the back of me playing a lot of and writing a lot of Unisystem. So it may have, but there's certainly some influence in there, which people have picked up on. Um, so, And I wanted something quite general and quite quick for that. Um, so I think it would be really a case of, Picking something that's tonally correct to it. I mean, Ghostbusters is one of the the legendary licensed RPGs mm. that got the tone perfect because it was not only was it hilarious to read, but also the game system just was so silly. It was perfect for the the craziness that was involved in and having like thirty story buildings collapse while you're hitting it with proton packs, but you're staggering out from the rubble in in like in your in your underwear covered in rubble is is just like 
is ridiculous but perfect for for how Ghostbusters worked. No, it's quite, it's quite interesting how, despite all the years of experience that we have with RPGs already, still not everybody and still so many people don't understand the fact that not every system can be used for every game. We we still see an awful lot. I just to name one, Cthulhu D twenty. You know, why do we still see that sort of things? Uh, yeah, it's, it's strange. It's I think it's kind of coming from its roots of being. Dungeons and Dragons. So anything that Dungeons and Dragons was doing, everything else had to copy. I remember there being the like the World of Darkness D20 as well. And any time, um, whatever game system Dungeons and Dragons was doing, because at, at any time you'd say, oh, "I'm role playing," and any layman would say, "Oh, so uh, you basically you're saying Dungeons and Dragons, aren't you?" To try and get people to know what you're talking about. Uh, so obviously. D and D was the is the linchpin of it all, so they kind of basically copy that 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 system, which is isn't always the best way to go. It's it's I I often find D D and D a little bit too complicated for what I have in mind. I think another one that I remember that was trying very hard to shoehorn into the D twenty route was um, Farscape, the uh, Farscape RPG that came out. I, I was one of the playtesters on that, and trying to fit character classes and levels into something as huge and open as Farscape um, just really wasn't wasn't the best of choices unfortunately shame because it was a it was a lovely book and beautifully produced it just didn't quite do it for me I'm afraid no I agree and it's I, and again I'm, I'm I'm really sorry it didn't because uh, Farscape as a science fiction um series is, is one of the best out there. It, definitely. The depth definitely. of characters was absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's a pity that, you know, a system like, I don't know, maybe Fate uh, wasn't mm -hmm. around at the time because that would have worked out really well for it. Definitely. It's something a lot quicker and and that pr pr definitely inspires the um, witty conversation that, that, that Farscape produced rather than working out to hit armor class zero basically <laughs> yes oh god that was that, i have to say that was kind of painful <laughs> and it's a pity but hey 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 ho now once you have all that data what is the best way to organize a an rpg based on on an ip how how do you tidy up so you can start the writing in a coherent manner Um, think basically it was a case of making sure you were covering all the elements of the of the series in a fairly logical sequence um, and working on um, Star Trek has certainly meant that the combat system for it has certainly come a lot further down in the book than um, more in, more scientific elements like um searching things or reprogramming the computers and things like that takes a higher priority and is covered first in the book above the actual combat because that's the way it is in the tv series so i think it's basically a case of structuring it a bit like that and a great help is when you're talking to the gm you can if you're referring to the series 
elements of the series and breaking things down into episodes, um, series, story arcs, uh, two-parters, Christmas specials, especially when it came to Doc- Doctor Who. You can when you can refer to things like that, it, it always helps as well because the the GM and the player, because of their experience of the series, know exactly what you're talking about, which is handy. What do you think is the biggest challenge at the time of creating a, a, a project based on a, on, a, on a known IP? Oh, um, I think it's that the biggest challenge has to be continuing to re- to reflect the the themes and the tone of the of the IP, and especially as that's very important to the, to the IP holder. And so when you're actually presenting it to, to somebody like the BBC, they, they're very um, protective of their thing, as you can imagine. Um, and they don't want you ruining it. Mm. So you try and try and reflect what it is and trying to get that balance right. It can be quite tricky. And one of the things to actually avoid, proactively avoid to say, no, if, if you're going to work in a known IP, don't do this. Oh, blimey. Uh, I think a lot of the time when it comes to IPs, it's creating your own thing. That can be a little bit tricky. Um, I know certainly with Doctor Who, creating um, new parts of the what they considered canon was definitely out of the picture. But you could create monsters for your own adventures you could create your own little little adventures and things like that but you couldn't try to explain or redefine what had actually been on screen which as the whovians out there will know is quite tricky especially when it comes to things like fixing a date on a lot of the third doctor's stories and the whole unit dating controversy all all things that needed to be avoided completely <laughs> I can imagine you you have to also be very much on board with how the IP changes. You know, if, if we talk a little bit about Star Trek, um, mm. how, you know, including the, the spirit of Star Trek, yeah, you might be able to get some of the key points from all the series, but the original series was vastly different from next generation and next generation was vastly different from deep space nine and that was vastly different from voyager and that was vastly different from enterprise so how how on earth do you keep up with the evolution of of an ip um, when when you're trying to create a game that has to be consistent and has to be you know, um, usable in in for for the whole IP, not just for one little chunk of it. Mm, uh, that's a that's a good one. I know when um, oh no, was the last Unicorn Games when they brought out their Star Trek RPG, they made a very conscious decision to break it down into a different core book for each series of Star Trek because original series was very much. Uh, two-fisted going out there and punching aliens type thing uh, as next generation was very diplomatic uh, deep space nine is very life on the frontier and getting into war situations and um, voyage is very much stranded trying to get home sort of feel uh, and they definitely split their games up to try and reflect the themes for each series I mean, with um, Modifius is one i I can't say too much because it hasn't come out yet, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, there was definitely a conscious decision to 
focus on a particular timeline uh, and a, a, a certain time frame which is the busiest moment of star trek which is just as next generations finished but the generations movie is just about to happen mm-hmm. um deep space nine is just a, a, about to start its major conflict against the dominion and voyager was just about to be sent off into the badlands to get lost over in the delta quadrant so it's where lots of things are happening but not only that it was a case of having to pick somewhere new and exciting for the players to be in that wasn't meant that you weren't caught up in the major events of what was going on i've, I've kind of sidetracked there something terrible but never mind <laughs> no, no no that's that's fine no that's um it, it it makes it makes perfect sense so you think it's better to concentrate on just one chunk of the ip if the ip is too big possibly i mean um the the new the, the modifius game certainly looks at the kirk era and in future supplements will allow you to play enterprise or um after voyager and things like that it's just that initially when that first first comes out there's so much to try and cover because hmm. uh, trek has got 50 years worth of history and so did doctor who as well it's 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 really a case of let's concentrate on this little bit now just get you up and running give you everything you need to do it yourself and keep the feeling right for the series if you're a big fan uh, certainly when it came to things like Doctor Who because it, it was all new series Doctor Who just because we're presenting you with all the rules for the TARDIS and Time Lords and Regeneration and things like that doesn't mean that you can't play the third or the first Doctor or something like that because you already know all the, the villains and things like that and you know the series really well so the GM has all the power and they have the knowledge from watching the the series they can they can create what they like from it you know i i cannot help but noticing something that you've just done maybe um, you haven't even realized that you've done it um, uh, <laughs> Go on. well well you've been describing you know uh, rather accurately i think the key aspects of um, uh, the, the the original star trek series and then you've gone on to the same thing for uh, next generation and then for deep space nine and then mm-hmm. for voyager and you have completely ignored enterprise i take you to the lightest <laughs> i must admit i wasn't a big fan of it it got <laughs> it got good towards the end <laughs> and i was always a big scott bacula fan anyway because i was a big fan of quantum leap but yeah it just didn't quite <laughs> do it do it for me unfortunately <laughs> Sorry, it's just that I noticed it was quite, quite, quite fun because uh, to me, because you, you obviously uh, have thought a lot about all the Star Treks and then the Enterprise. Well, yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> let's, let's pretend that didn't exist. <laughs> it, it just would have been nice if they tried to keep the the feel for um, the sixties, even though because it was set before, it would have been nice if it had that sort of technological level. It looked a little bit jarring because it was it looked too clean and modern. And I'll be interested to see what Star Trek Discovery comes up with because that's like ten years before Kirk. Um, I'll be interested to see what their the uniforms are going to look like and what the technology is going to look like and whether they're going to try and keep the feel of the original series or whether they're going to try and sort of come to a happy medium between original series and Enterprise. Well, I'll tell you something: if the the uniforms don't look like pajamas, I'm not interested. <laughs> awesome. 
You know, I just, I just don't, don't want to know because, come on, <laughs> they, they obviously everybody wore pajamas. Do you notice um, that in some of the episodes in the original series, some of the men uh, wore skirts? Um, oh yeah, because yeah. according to Gene Roddenberry, he thought, well, you know, in four or five hundred years' time, we're not going to have all these skirts versus trousers nonsense. There, there is a legendary um, skirts chap in the um, first episode of Next Generation walking about, yeah. and and it's it's such a shame they didn't they didn't keep with it after that one. <laughs> yeah, because watching Bill Will, Will Wheaton in skirt would have been amazing, wouldn't it? That'd been fantastic. No, I wouldn't. Come on, <laughs> let's be honest. It, it would not at all. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, Dave, just to, to 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 wrap it up a little bit, um, give us the the last few words of wisdom from the IP master to <laughs> the young padawans who are out there looking forward to making their own RPGs based on an IP. What are uh, three pieces of advice that you would give? to anybody who wants to do this um first of all be a big fan that was a a, a must because you need to know what you're talking about when it comes to these things and when you're presenting to any um tv company or film company saying that you want to do anything based on their thing it really helps if you know what you're talking about and you're not just in it for the money um the second element is probably going to be money which thankfully i haven't had to deal with <laughs> but having a licensed property isn't cheap unfortunately um the ip holders will want money up front and they'll also take a percentage of everything you anything you publish so it's it's not it's not going to make you rich let's put it that way but it may get you some recognition and put get your game into places that you wouldn't normally be stocked mm -hmm. and third and final piece of advice i'd give to anybody who's um looking to do an, an intellectual property as an rpg is a two-part one uh number one if you're trying for the harry potter license <laughs> contact me first <laughs> and two don't go for the harry potter license because i really want it <laughs> well apparently it's it's she's already been approached by a number of companies and she said no because she feels and with, with she i mean jk rowling um that she might feel too much creative control over the final product and what people can do with it i i have to confess I, there have been some moments when we've come close to talking about Harry Potter for as an RPG and every time we've kind of come to a bit of a, a brick wall but I'm determined that there is a way to do it because yes, I love Harry be. Potter too much <laughs> well, and you know it is the perfect absolutely perfect environment for an RPG it, it would be a great way to get kids involved it um, it's perfect for getting kids using their imaginations yeah. and it's it, it would just be perfect I, I, I do I do think it would be the holy grail <laughs> yeah I, i think it would be absolutely fantastic it's, it's one of those missed opportunities that are, are there at the moment that it's not happening and should be happening together with some things that have happened and damn why wasn't it better like you know farscape or even stargate sg1 i thought that was an absolutely oh, yes. fantastic opportunity that was wasted yeah uh, some some more gorgeous books but yeah d20 again unfortunately oh, damn the yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, because um, uh, I know Night Models are doing uh, a rather gorgeous-looking Harry Potter miniatures game, uh, which is in the works at the moment. So hopefully, things might be 
easing off a little bit. So fingers crossed, you never know. That'd be really cool indeed. Um, Mr. Chapman, thank you so, so very much uh, for being with me today. It's been absolutely amazing. And I think after this episode, we are going to see IP-based games raining all over us in every single bookstore, online and otherwise, in the planet. Oh, we can hope, we can hope. But th <laughs> th thank you again for having me on. It's been brilliant. My pleasure. And that it is for now, my friends. Thank you very much indeed for being there. I really, really hope that you have enjoyed this. Uh, Dave is a very, very knowledgeable and incredibly, seriously nice man. Uh, you, you should meet him if you get the chance, whether, you know, whenever he goes to Gen Kong, if you can possibly go there, or when, when you go to Dragon Me, because trust me, it is a very well worth experience getting, getting to know uh, Dave and asking thousand questions about many things hopefully he will come back because i certainly will ask him to come back uh, in the meantime uh please uh, send us your comments if, if you have enjoyed this or not or if you have if you something else that we haven't covered and i haven't asked please do let me know because that's always incredibly helpful uh do feel free to do so whether you know me in facebook or send an email uh or you know paco at gmsmagazine.com or if you, I don't know, uh, Twitter at GMS Magazine, I am there as well. Or find me in Google Plus anywhere. It doesn't matter. Just just talk to me, uh, say hello, and I will say hello back to you. I promise. If you can possibly, please, please, please help us with our Patreon campaign so we can keep doing these interviews and do a great deal more work that we have planned very soon indeed. But until the next time, have a great time. Have a wonderful time gaming, and I will talk to you very soon. Thank you for being there.